Let's go! Hour two of the show has started. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team. Hometown heroes, your local Farm Bureau insurance agents. Let me tell you something right this minute. They're from right where you are. They live right down the street. They go to church with you. You see them at the restaurant, down at the cafe when y'all are having breakfast before work. That's where your Farm Bureau insurance agent is. That's the way it is with that company. In fact, you're going to be sitting there tonight rooting on the home team. You're going to be two of the people there for your favorite little football player or cheerleader or band member. And you're going to look and your local Farm Bureau insurance agent going to be sitting six feet over there with his family. That's the way it works at Farm Bureau. Yes, it does. Because uh, I happen to have a nephew that's a Farm Bureau agent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He must be a good guy. Well, of course he is. He's related to me. <laughs> That's what I meant. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the correction, Fletch. That's right. It's um, St. Paul's in Mobile versus Cross the Bay rival Spanish Fort, not Spain Park. Spain Park is from Birmingham. I su- That's what I was thinking about. Spanish Fort is also, which would make sense, right? How many Spanish forts were ever built in Birmingham? What did it do? Built them on the Coosa River? Come on, Matt. It's called Spanish Fort. Of course it's on the bay or near the ocean. <laughs> Think. <laughs> the Gulf. The Gulf, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Hang, hang in there with me. Just, just hang in there. All right, so it's St. Paul's versus Spanish Fort, and that's going to be a Let me tell you, they get after it. Uh, Years ago, when I was a part of the broadcast for the C Spire Bright Lights games, we had Daphne versus Fairhope. Okay, same side of the Mobile Bay as Spanish Fort, but right out on the water, right? And you got Daphne, then you go a few more miles, and there's Fairhope. And when I say a few miles, that's what I mean. And the star of the game that night for Daphne was a young running back named T.J. Yeldon, who was an Auburn commitment and rushed for over 300 yards in that nationally televised high school game. And a few weeks later, flipped his commitment to Alabama. You got to love it. All right. What else I love is the Fletch not only sent you the correction via text, he sent a map. He, here's a map for you, Matt. <laughs> hey, Matt, you might like coloring books better. Let me give you a visual. <laughs> Thanks, Fletch. <laughs> Strike up the band. Strike up the band. Come on. Roll down your windows. Turn it up to 11. Here comes the sonic boom through your speaker. Tonight, one of the matchups that's happening out here, Mr. Brojo, Clinton native, Clinton Christian is hosting Greenville St. Joseph, Greenville St. Joe's, defending state champs. They're 1-0 and they're pretty good, wouldn't you say? Yes, they are really good. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that was part of the shakeup that the uh, folks like 
St. Joe, Greenville St. Joe, St. Yeah. Andrews, and some other schools that played in the MHSAA. Right. A couple years ago, they transferred and got in the MAIS. Right. Which is probably better suited for them as far as sure. the classifications and the number mm-hmm. of kids. But uh, the Warriors from Clinton Christian Academy are, are, are not, not shabby. They're good. They're and, a pretty good team. And they're hungry. They lost last week. So they're 0-1, and they need a win at home tonight. That's an underrated big game. I big can't time. wait. Come! Big time. Woo! And speaking of Greenville St. Joe's, there is a player at Mississippi State who is a true freshman who not a lot of people are talking about right now. I mean, they have a loaded position group at running back, okay? They're loaded at running back. Well, this guy is a running back, and he went to St. Joe's. Dylan Johnson. There's a lot of running backs that you're talking about at State, but let me tell you something. Based on my own observation, uh, this cat can go. (laughs) Uh, okay, well, he wasn't a five-star, Matt. Okay, fine. Listen to me. I, I trust my eyeballs, all right? Just remember I told you this name, would you? They've got him listed at number 23 in your roster. Dylan Johnson, true freshman running back, six feet tall, 215. This guy can go. Three-star player coming out of high school, top 15 in the state of Mississippi, won three straight state titles, Put together the longest winning streak in the state at 24 games during that time. Last year in the state championship game, scored three touchdowns on seven carries. Okay, in the state title game, 3A of MAIS. Played on defense, had eight tackles and an interception. Finished the year with 1,668 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns on the ground. He also threw three touchdowns in the air. Forced five fumbles on defense. He's a great player. Okay, but... Let me just, and not a lot of people talking about him. Let me tell you something. Trust my eyes. This cat can go. Wouldn't be surprised one bit to, in a few months, everybody else go, hey, that cat can go. <laughs> okay? That's probably what's going to happen. Well, look, all right, let me, let me back away from football just for one second. Special treat for JB who, like me, has an affinity for uh, fishing shows that we used to watch on Sunday afternoons after church in the 80s and 90s. And I told you this was on here. And it doesn't sound great, but here's a snippet. The Orlando Wilson Fishing Show with guest star fishing with him in the boat at Lake Okeechobee in Florida, Jerry Clower. Let's see what it sounds like. But this lake, covering 700 square miles, is full of these scrappy members of the sunfish family. Throughout the South, bluegill and shell crackers are called brim, but Jerry Clower calls them perch. And since these are his favorite fish, he calls himself a perch jerker. <laughs> Jerry is accustomed to fishing for bluegill and submerged treetops, but today, Orlando is Hold showing... Hold real quick. Hey, did you hear that, JB? Perch jerker. <laughs> It hey, sounds I, like he's saying porch. Yeah. Hey, and I want to make sure the audio, as far as the volume level on this, is it coming through okay to you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it sounds good. I just want to make sure. All right. Let, let's hear Jerry Clower in the boat fishing at Lake Okeechobee 
with Orlando Wilson. Let's see. Something new. They'll be fishing the shallow banks that extend far out into this natural lake. That's because this time of year, early July, Come on, man, the get to are it. on their nest in preparation for spawning. And as usual, Jerry will have a couple of tall tales to right, tell. Let's see. Come on. Let Jerry talk. Here we go. Are you rolling? <laughs> are you rolling? Are you rolling for the judgment day? Orlando. Orlando. Uh-huh. I love you. I love your family. We friends, ain't we? Yes, sir. I can't lie to you. We ain't gonna catch no brim unless we get closer to the bank in a treetop <laughs> and get us a cricket. <laughs> you think? Uh, ooh, I don't have no faith in this, Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting out in the middle of Lake Okeechobee. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've got those long shell beds that they're out in the middle of the lake and it ain't but 10 feet deep out there, you know? And, uh, He's Jerry Clower, who grew up fishing on the Yazoo <laughs> in a John boat, says, we're not catching any brim unless we get up closer to the bank in a treetop and get ourselves a cricket or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more there. We might get into some of that later. Okay. Uh, Bill is on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. You're a Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. That means they've been doing it better longer than anyone else at Divinity. Bill, thanks for calling. What's up? Well, I just wanted to mention them. I was cruising up a road called Manhattan. Manhattan doesn't mean anything to you, does it? I don't think so. Manhattan, I mean, all I know about Manhattan is New York. Oh, ask J.B. what he knows about Manhattan. J.B., where's Manhattan, the other Manhattan? Well, there used to be a school on Manhattan Road in uh, in North Jackson. Oh, yes. There's nothing left there, but something that J.B.'s probably familiar with, there's a set of goalposts. Okay. That is true. <laughs> they barely can see them. They're underneath all the trees and all the brush. Is that right? But they're still standing. That's cool. They haven't played football there in, what, 35, maybe 40 years, J.B.? Uh, they, I think the last game was Woodland Hills Academy. They were there, and I think they, they closed that in 93. So that would have been. Do you ever have any great players come through there? <laughs> They were mainly known for their baseball and basketball. Okay. All right. Yeah. I and do. that one quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Gray was a good quarterback. I, I, I remember those goalposts specifically because that was the last high school extra point I ever kicked in what? the fall of 1980. So you kicked on that field, huh? I did. Yeah. About that. We beat Canton Academy. Uh, I actually, this sounds egomaniacal. It's not meant that way. Uh, I actually scored the touchdown and then kicked the extra point on the last touchdown of my career. How so about the amazing that? thing That's is cool. if you look at the goalposts, they don't look like they're more than two inch diameter. Oh really? Hmm. I mean they're they're a little bitty goalposts. <laughs> How about that? I need to go see that with you one of these days when I'm down there. Yeah, man. You know, at this point But anyway, I'm, I just wanted to uh I heard him mention Earlier in the week or the end of the last week that he went to Manhattan, 
my wife graduated there in 77. So, uh, very cool. Ask her if she remembered that quarterback. She said, I think I remember the name, but I'm not sure. <laughs> what year did you graduate, JB? I finished in 81. 81. Yeah. How about that? All right. Very well, anyway, cool. Thanks for calling. Take out down memory lane. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. How about that, JB? So the field you played on is not a field anymore. It's a field, but it's just a field full of weeds and trees. But and the goalpost and... is still there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a picture right there. You need to go take a picture of it with it all grown up and hang it on your wall, <laughs> right? And sign, yeah. take the picture, get it framed, and sign the bottom part of it and write Uncle Rico. So that's what I. That's why I do it all my stuff. I just I start thinking about playing days. I remind myself I'm nothing more than an Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of works out that way. It seems the older like. I am, the better I got. Yeah, that's it. I saw a guy wearing that T-shirt at a game one time. The older I get, the better I was. <laughs> that's that's uh, the way that it works a lot of times. Yeah, that kind of took me back down memory lane for a minute. So you score. So what your last game or the last touchdown uh, the, you the last game i ever played in high school uh football you scored a touchdown and then you kicked the, the extra point scored a touchdown kicked the extra point yeah i, re- I remember thinking to myself because i knew i wasn't going to play football in college mm-hmm. you don't want to spend the rest of your life wishing you had made this extra point <laughs> i can i can still see it going through i mean it's just it's one of those weird memories you have you yeah know? right that's great High school football, man, that's just, to me, it's like what it's all about. I, I really get tired of the constant, you know, referencing high school football and measuring it by, well, this kid can play at the next level, and this kid's being recruited, and you should watch this high school game because it, there are this many Division One recruits in it. And, I mean, that's great, but that's not what it's about. You know, it's about – all the kids out there who are thinking to themselves, I'm never going to play any more football after this. I better make this extra point because this is it for me. You know, that's what high well, school football I, I, is about. The camaraderie, you know, yes. I, I watched, I watched both my boys play high school football and, you know, uh, one had a little more success than the other, but they both, they'll tell you to this day, the thing they loved the most was the friendships and the camaraderie that mm. they had with the guys they played with. Yeah. I mean, they're both lifelong friends with kids they played football and baseball with yeah my dad's in his upper 60s and he tells stories about stuff that happened in high school football games and he names all the teammates Mm -hmm. right what position they were playing what their names were and see he was fortunate enough to grow up in the same town his whole life right and still had connections to that town and still does still has brothers who live in that town that he grew up in and so it's not only like this guy over here who I know his name, we're the same age, and he's playing defensive tackle and I'm playing defensive end. It's you also know his grandparents yeah, and where yeah. his great-grandparents are from. And, and now you know his grandkids. And That's it's Sunday just, lunch with them. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, and there's, there are all those things that are involved in high school football that I hate it. That from a media perspective, and I guess we're all guilty of it in varying degrees, whether it's TV or radio or whatever, but we all get caught up in the stuff that is trivial, that doesn't really matter as much. And that is, well, that team over there has got one kid on it who's being recruited. Well, so what? That's not what this is about. 
that'll take care of itself. Let me know when he gets there. <laughs> yeah. You right. know, I want to know, can this community's kids outwork this community's kids tonight? That's what it's about. High school football. Well, some of the best high school football I've, I've seen in the last 20, 25 years was when I was pastoring down at Centerville, at Centerville Baptist Church, but our kids went to Centerville Academy. And uh, Coach Bill Hurst has been there, I think, since Jesus was born. Um, but just a great guy and what he instills in, in those players. And, I mean, he, he's been coaching almost 40 years. Mm. And some of the dads that had kids that were playing then had played for him. Mm. And, you know, it, it, they, they shared the same stories. They shared the same love of, of football. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like you're saying, it was a community thing. That's, yeah. that's what you did. Friday night, we're going to the football game. Right. Yeah. Man, you know, and for you growing up, tell me again where, like, you grew up pretty much your childhood. I grew up mainly in, in North Jackson, spent a few years in Baton Rouge. Okay. Uh, early elementary in Baton Rouge. But So when you went to uh, high school games, what high school did you go watch? Uh, well, in seventh grade, I went to prep, so we were going okay. to, I was going to preps games. You're going to watch and, their games? Uh, oh, yeah, Jack Carlisle and Buddy Crosby were the coaches, and uh, Ken Toller played, uh, Greg Woods, quarterback that went on and played at Baylor, uh-huh. which to me was phenomenal back yeah, then. Yeah, sure. That, that, um, but, yeah, and the first high school game I ever saw, I was six years old. We lived in Yazoo City, and we went to Vicksburg, me and my dad, to see the Vicksburg Gators oh, and the wow. Yazoo City Indians. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. That was your yeah. first game? Was at Vicksburg High School? First game ever. Isn't that awesome? And then my son, <laughs> they both played in that same stadium that I saw, uh-huh. uh, you know, 30 years later. Yeah. Look, uh my buddy Jay from Tupelo, he's watching on Twitter Periscope. He said, in Mississippi, high school football is our town versus your town. Yeah. Nothing like it. And he's exactly right. Nothing like it. Um, the first high school football game I ever saw and laid eyes on, I was preschool age. My dad was the pastor at a small church in Prattville, Alabama, called Pratt Court Baptist Church. That church sits on the corner of a street intersection in downtown Prattville. It sits on the corner right across from Stanley Jensen Stadium, the stadium that the high school plays. And we lived in a trailer, uh, a little you know two-bedroom trailer about three blocks down the street from the church. And I vaguely remember it, but I've always vaguely remembered it. He put me up on his shoulders. And I rode on his shoulders as he um, walked. There were sidewalks. He walked down the sidewalk, crossed the street, walked up to the fence, didn't buy a ticket, but just walked up to the fence. And we kind of stood there at the fence, and I was on his shoulders, and I could see that football game going. I remember seeing the lights and the colors and stuff. That's the first one I ever laid eyes on. I guess I was probably three years old, four. Then we moved away a couple different places in between, and then – at the end of my eighth grade year, we moved back to Prattville, and he was the pastor of another church in Prattville, a new one there called uh, Glenwood. And so I went to all four years of high school, so I actually then played my high school football in that stadium. Uh, it was pretty cool. But growing up, I um, spent most of my childhood in Russellville, Alabama, and you know going to those games. And you're right, that was another one of those classic 
you know, southeastern United States, small towns, that was a football town. I don't know that they are still in Russellville, but back then it was. And JB, man, look, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, all those years, every Friday night, mm -hmm. whether it was hot or whether it was cold or raining or snowing sometimes, everybody was at the game including us it's like we it's like church people had their own parking spaces it's like now uh, you know so-and-so's here because there's his car in his spot <laughs> yeah but and, and and as a kid you look up to those guys that are playing oh, the high school gosh. game and they might as well be nfl players mm -hmm. to a kid in elementary school absolutely right you are absolutely right jb i remember this so vividly i was in the third grade at in Russellville, my daughter's age, okay? And I stood by the locker room with my dad one night when the team was coming out for kickoff. And these players were running out and running beside me in those black and gold uniforms. One of them was a guy named Chad Whitfield, who we went to the same church as Chad and his family. And Chad might as well have been in those pads. He wore number five. He was a defensive end. And he might as he probably was 6'2, 210 pounds. But to me, he might as well have been Hulk Hogan. When he came running by, I'd never seen anything so big in all my life. And then there comes number two running out of the locker room. Click. Ain't nothing click, like it. Click, man. click, click. Those cleats on that concrete. Number two, Chucky Mullins. You're like, oh. I was within four feet of Chucky Mullins. He must have been seven feet tall. <laughs> Y'all stick around. I just had something pop up on uh, Twitter that's interesting here, I think. Uh, possible. Was well, just a feather in the cap for a local kid. We're talking about high school players going on playing college ball. Uh, within the last hour, the All-State Sugar Bowl tweeted out uh, a note about Jack Abraham, the quarterback at Southern Miss. He's on the Manning Award watch list. Jack Abraham on the Manning Award watch list. Oxford High School quarterback. Took him to the state title game. I think, who, did, who beat them? Somebody beat them in that title game. Who was it? But anyway, I uh, had a great high school career. Put up big numbers last year as a starting quarterback for Jay Hobson down at Southern Miss. He returns and uh, will play in less than a week. Southern Miss is going to host South Alabama next Thursday night in Hattiesburg. They tweeted out that Jack was one of three Southern Miss quarterbacks to throw for 3,000 yards in a season. He had 3,496 yards last year, accounted for 25 total touchdowns. And he's on the Manning Award watch list. I didn't realize that. I did not That's pretty good that. because, I mean, you know, two quarterbacks that I thought were very, very good at Southern Miss uh, before Abraham got there was uh, Mullins and Austin Davis. No doubt. Yeah, both those guys. Yeah, Southern Miss has put more – quarterbacks in the NFL than anybody else around here. <clears throat> State and Ole Miss included. Haven't they? Yep. I think, yeah. if we add, I think if we add them up, 
the number of guys who were quarterbacks at Southern Miss that have gone on to the NFL and played in actual NFL games as quarterbacks. I think you got more of them from Southern Miss than anybody, or as many from Southern Miss as anybody. Yep. And they've, they've got a nice run going. Sure do. All right, so y'all can be a part of the show. Everybody watching on the live stream, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube. If you comment, type it in. I'll see it. Uh, Same thing, country please, and text line, 885-ESPN. Will says, Matt, have you seen the reports that the Big Ten coaches are meeting to try and make a plan to play starting around November? Will, we talked about that a little bit earlier, and yes, I did see it. I think um, makes sense that they're trying to make it happen in the fall because they're not going to play in the spring. Those coaches know it. They may have zipped their lips for the time being. That's why they're having a phone call, Will. They know they're not playing a college football season in the spring because they can't then turn around and play another one in the fall. Six months later, five months later. It's dumb. It's dumb from the word go. It ain't happening. So they know we better figure out a way to play some games. How are you going to go about making this reversal? Well, that's why they're talking about it. The key is this, though, Will. The coaches can want it all they want it. Players can want it all they want it. But the decision has already been made now, and it would require the presidents of those schools coming back and reversing it. Do you think those university presidents of those schools have the backbone to go in there and vote it and reverse it if that's what the coaches and players and parents want after, for a month now, those presidents at those schools have been getting pats on the back from a lot of their alumni? They've been getting congratulatory phone calls from their uh, counterparts, presidents at Ivy League schools. Some of them are already looking forward to hanging out, you know, in some remote location this fall with their pinky up sipping champagne next to those Ivy League presidents. They can't wait for it. You think those same people are going to come back in here and vote football back in? Doubt it. Good riddance. Uh, Mother Goose. Now, what is this about? Mother Goose on the country pleasing text line says, Churro still fishes with a Snoopy rod and reel. Wears his 90s coach's shorts. It's gross. <laughs> I didn't know they had coach's shorts in the 90s. I thought those things went out in the mid-80s. In the 80s? Remember those coach's shorts? Bike. What? Oh, the, I wore them to play softball in back in the day. Man. Of course you did. Yeah. And let me guess. Let me guess. You had on the uh, cleats... And the socks that went halfway up your calf. No, I wore the uh, the no show socks, and I wore the <laughs> I did wear the Nike Tiger Sharks. Okay, uh, cleats. The coach's but, uh, shorts no, that we, were really too short, and they were super no, duper no, no, polyester. No. But they, these were super duper polyester, but these were the elongated version. Okay, the so longer ones, not not the speedo looking type coach's shorts. <laughs> Man, these were can... longer. But I, we, I had coaches who still wore the short ones. They had those two big buttons on the front, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. And I had this one coach in high school that the madder he got, the more angry he got at you, the higher he pulled those shorts up. <laughs> he'd get up. He That was his deal. He'd grit his teeth and get close and get up in your face, and he'd start pulling on. And by the time he got through hollering and pointing at you, he pulled his shorts so far up that it, it was gross. That's Mother the reason Goose. he was red. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> Well, we had a we had our softball team in seminary. We were called the Low Pockets, and uh, we had some pretty nice uniforms that that our guys had put together. and And we mm-hmm. had the longer version, kind of the Bermuda short version, like like you could slide in them and it protected. Yeah. The, right, right. You know, you wouldn't get a big straw. Well, the sliding pants that. underneath, yeah. 
Yeah, because, I mean, I've got a picture of me in high school wearing those basketball shorts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, swimsuits today have more threads on them. (laughs) No doubt about it. Whoever came up with that, that's another thing that was dumb. It's just dumb. That's all we can say about it. Maybe it was in. Just because it was in doesn't mean it was, wasn't was dumb. Those shorty shorts for basketball players was dumb. <laughs> White Denzel in the country pleasing Texas. I have a funny feeling that Leak beats J.A. tonight. Let's go, Rebs. Only time I'll ever say it. How about, so you're pulling against J.A., huh? Is that what it's all about there, Denzel? Just straight up pulling against him, huh? Hey, look, I got something for you here. Speaking of Rebs and uh, private school football, you're referencing J.A. Didn't so Jerry on Ely, running back and baseball player at Ole Miss, played at prep. Do I have that right? You do. All right. That so he went correct. to prep. Mm-hmm. And look, the guy is super duper talented. He's like otherworldly fast, was really good, had some home run plays last year for Ole Miss. But, you know, freshman or freshman, you can't get him on the field as much as you want to for a lot of reasons. Well, he's not a freshman anymore. And the Ole Miss media, they talked to him earlier this week. This is former prep star Jerry Ely going into his sophomore year as a running back at Ole Miss. Listen to his comment. The question was about, you know, getting the pads back on and being out there for football and for he and John Rice kind of making the transition from being baseball players last spring for a little while. He talks about that. In the middle of it, he kind of shows you and 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 – talks about his disgust for Mississippi State. Listen closely for that. Here's Jerry on Ely. It was exciting. It was I was excited to be back. Uh, for most players, they normally have the spring, and so they would put pads on in the spring, so everybody was kind of on my schedule now, me and JR's schedule. So, I mean, it was great. It was great to be out. I mean, everybody was flying around. Everybody was just excited to be in pads. I mean, it's the first time we've been in pads since – the school, wherever they at, I don't even want to talk about them no more. I don't even want to think about that game. But uh, that was the last time we had on pads, and, and it was just fun and exciting just have them on again. He, he thought about saying, like, the school down south or the school this, and then he just, well, I don't know, wherever they're at. I don't even want to think about that game. <laughs> uh, here's what Jerry Ely says he's thinking about working on right now. I want to improve as a blocker. Uh, I want to be more consistent more consistent with my runs, so to speak. Uh, I left a lot of jars out there last year, and I just want to take full advantage of everything that the defense gives me. Just instead of having the linebacker far over to the right, he would be still playing play side instead of over pursuing. It's just things like that. It's just moving around pieces. It's kind of like I'm playing chess with him now. <laughs> I want to move him one way and do the opposite kind of. So there you go, Jerry on Ely. Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. On the phone is Matt. What up, Matt? Hey, guys. Can you all hear me on the speaker? Yep. Got you loud and clear. What's up? Hey, man. I was just going to chime in on y'all reminiscing about Manhattan and prep. I was uh, I was a young kid about seven, 1973, 74, what a made me uh six years old and fri- every friday night at seven thirty, uh prep would play whoever was in town at, on a home game and my brother john played then that was the last year coach carlisle was there 
and then he went to Ole Miss and Coach Crosby took over. But the pregame for prep and a lot of schools back then was tremendous. The band you could hear marching from the other side of the campus at the band hall, they would march in behind the stadium and come through and the pacers, the, the dancers would be right behind them and then the cheerleaders and they would all come through in a huge line. And of course, as a kid, it seemed like it, they were 300 large, but I know it may not have been that much, but they would march in behind the stadium and then up into the, uh, stadium stands. And as a kid, we would sit on that top rail of the stadium looking over when they walked in. And then prep was a powerhouse back then. They had a lot of D1 signees. I know, I know that doesn't, y'all are <laughs> talking about that not mattering, That's mattering okay. much, but. They did have, they were the only, uh, big private school in Jackson area at that time until the early mid eighties when JA and, uh, uh, MRA started coming along. And, uh, but it was such, uh, like you said, those guys, I thought those guys were like Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, Grange, you know, uh, 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 you know, the big guys. Uh, old old Hall of Fame type players, and you just looked up to them and worshipped them, and, and you kind of looked at your older brother like that until he beat you up and <laughs> took away the luster. But but anyway, it was a big time game, and they did things right back then. Matt, for years, hey, I hate to interrupt you, but the music is about to cut you off. Feel free to hang on; we'll let you finish. Stick around. back on the show thanks for tuning in however you're listening or watching the live stream hey to y'all really enjoy spending a little time with you here on friday thanks for pulling up the chair and having a seat and jumping in the conversation with me and jb uh i'm coming right back to you matt hang on real quick i just want to read this text from coffee norman who says matt do you remember a fishing show with a guy named archie phillips I froze a big bass and mailed it to him to mount. He was from Alabama. Man, Norman, yes. And I hadn't thought about Archie Phillips in years. But yes, I I saw a lot of the Archie Phillips hunting and fishing show or whatever they called it. But it was Archie Phillips and like half the commercials were him. And he'd tell you at on every show, he would tell you how to, if you catch a big, a big bass, I almost said it wrong, if you catch a big bass, <laughs> How to wrap it up in newspaper and how to pack it in like some box or something and send it to him to to mount it for you. Because his his like the TV show was just the side gig. It was the taxidermy business. And I have not thought about Archie Phillips in years. Was his show on in Mississippi? I thought it my whole life growing up, I thought it was just an Alabama thing. He was from where was he from? Fair, Fairfield, somewhere in that area. And I found a thing where he actually passed away in the summer of 2018. So right at just close to two years ago, he was 82 years old. He passed away in 2018. The Archie Phillips, Outdoors with Archie Phillips TV show went on the air in the late 1950s, aired continuously up until the time that he passed away in 2018. You can find it all over YouTube. Yeah, just off I-59 in Fairfield. Let's see. Phillips mounted his first animal, a pigeon, 
when he was a youngster in an effort to get a Boy Scout taxidermy merit badge. Fell in love with the taxidermy business at that point. Was a taxidermist throughout high school. Continued his taxidermy business while working his way through Auburn's business school. He once estimated his business had mounted a half million deer, fish, and other animals over more than seven decades. How about that? Apparently, he had gone fishing. He was 82. This is summer of 2018. Went fishing. Right after that, he fell down, broke his collarbone, apparently had a heart attack while he was in the hospital. Archie Phillips. Sure do. Thanks for bringing that up. I hadn't thought about him in years. I have to go back and watch some of his stuff on YouTube, Norman. Thank you. All right. Matt was talking about uh, memories of high school football on the Divinity Equipment phone. Matt, appreciate you hanging on. So you were saying, right when you got cut off, you were saying that J.A., back in the day, they did things right. What did you mean by that? Uh, J- Jackson Prep and uh, Prep. And Indianola. Okay. Jackson Prep and Indianola played every year for I don't know how many years during the mid seventies, early eighties, and usually it ended up being those two for the championship, for the Triple A championship back then. And they did things right because they would write up in the paper all week long building up the game, and then whether the game was in Jackson, actually Flowood, or up in Indianola. They would treat each other's team to a steak dinner, baked potato in the cafeteria at each school right. as a pregame meal, and then they would play the game. And of course, you know it was pretty ferocious, but it determined who won the state championship. And they just did things right. They, they, you know, they hated each other, but they respected each other's program, and they just showed a lot of respect for each fan base. And you know, it was uh, charter buses for prep for the parents and students and everything, but you'll love, you'll love this, Matt. My dad played for Darrell Oil back at Mississippi State during the mid-50s, and he would come to every game, and usually he was coaching me or my younger brother, David, who won three state championships at prep in a row with Crosby, but he would come to every game with the coaching shorts, with the buttons, and usually blue or red because of prep colors, and then he had the 1970s mesh shirt that said get fired up on the front of it in printed letters so he was he had the tube socks up to his knees and uh that's just i know people freak out when you say that but that's just the way it was that's right and nobody really nobody thought about it he even had the full length uh pants coaching pants Uh (laughs) but but anyway uh it was just incredible you know atmosphere and then Matt, you may remember way back, they used to have doubleheader games at Memorial Stadium with State and Ole Miss playing LSU or Arkansas or whoever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they played about six games a year there. Right. Uh, Matt, I talked yesterday morning to Shane Matthews, you know, the former yeah. Flo- Florida quarterback, great player for Spurs. Yeah, and and Shane, if we got on the subject of games at in Jackson at the stadium there – and the doubleheaders and stuff. And this is on his show, his podcast. And I, I sort of knew this, but I didn't really remember it. But Shane grew up, of course, in Mississippi. He was kind of born and raised in Cleveland. Went to high school to begin with there at Cleveland. And then they moved and he p- finished his high school re- career at Pascagoula. But they were big Ole Miss fans. Both of his parents went to Ole Miss. Shane grew up a diehard Ole Miss fans. And so he grew up going to Ole Miss games at the uh, – I did not – 
I did not know that. They messed up missing signing him, though. Well, but think about this, Matt. This is what I told JB yesterday. What are the chances of both Peyton Manning and Shane Matthews growing up massive Ole Miss fans with parents who played and went to school there, going to all their games, and one goes to Tennessee and becomes an All-American and a pro, and the other one goes to Florida and becomes an All-American of the pro, and neither of them go to Ole Miss. I mean, the chances of that are just well, astronomical. Well, no, no offense to the coaches and the pro, the uh, you know that were there at Ole Miss and back then, but you know, uh, yeah, there, there's, you know, they had better coaching staffs and better programs and more money and just everything than Ole Miss back then, even though Ole Miss fought hard. I mean, they just didn't have the clout that those mm-hmm. programs did. And it's understandable. I know Ole Miss gets rubbed the wrong way, but, uh, you know, he had a choice to go to Tennessee or Ole Miss and both of them in uh, uh, Florida. But, I mean, Tennessee and Florida were in the hunt for the national championship every year, and Ole Miss, is, you know, was wanting to win five or six games. So yeah. there's a hell of a lot of difference. Yeah, so, there's a big difference there uh, for sure. No doubt about it. Really interesting stuff. Matt, I appreciate the memories, man. Thank you. Hey, man. Thanks. Good show. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate your call. Call me anytime. Matt's a good dude, man. He, uh, His dad was one of my first uh, all-star baseball coaches. Okay. And uh, he, he has two older brothers. Uh, the oldest brother I faced my first year in Little League, he was a 12-year-old. We called him Humming Tims because <laughs> – he could freaking blaze that fast. He could throw it. You up. know, there never was a problem. A good low inside fastball wouldn't take right out. What was the um, the line in the uh, Glory Days song by Bruce Springsteen? Oh yeah, throw that yeah. speed ball by you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, who calls it yeah. a speed ball? Um, Every time I start talking about the old days, I have got a buddy, and he just he cranks up that air guitar, and he goes darn. Glory days. That's great. Yeah, we have a tendency to relive those. You know why we do it, JB? Because nobody else is going to do it for us. That's for sure. Hey, but on the pants, okay, so the coaching pants, they'll bike. You have the shorts and the pants. Yeah. The shorty basketball shorts made out of that thick polyester. I got to wear some shorts like that one year on, uh, on the basketball team my ninth grade year on the basketball team at Prattville High School. Nobody cared about basketball in Prattville. They still don't. Okay? <laughs> they just did it because they had to. Right. And so not even buy new uniforms. So our uniforms were the old Prattville uniforms that they've been just washing them, handing them out every year for years. These things went back to this, like the, had to go back to the early 80s for sure. So the shorts themselves were the red, you know, Crimson Prattville color, shorty, shorty, shorts. But we got to looking around in the coach's office one day, and in the closet were boxes full of full warm-up suits that went with those uniforms, okay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The pants were bell-bottom button-ups. When I say button-ups, I'm talking all the way to the floor so that you could tear them off, right? The tear – like you just – you grab the warm-up pants and just tear them off, and all the buttons come loose, and now you're in your shorts, right? They were bell-bottoms, but get this. The school colors were red and white. These bell-bottom warm-up pants were striped. Yeah. Vertic- vertical striped, <laughs> red and white bell-bottom button-up warm-up pants. There is a reason they were in a box in a closet. 
<laughs> they didn't want you to wear them. Man. But we discovered them, and we thought it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Man, the NBA teams have warm ups. Let's wear warm ups. We get them out. We start trying them on. We get the ones that fit different. Coach comes in. What are y'all doing? Coach, we want to wear these. Y'all ain't wearing those. We talked him into it. We wear them out for the warm-ups the next game. And I'm not kidding you. You could hear it audibly in the gym. Fans of both teams laughing at us. While we were, I thought you were going to say they were in silence. While, no, there we could hear them all laughing at us while we were in our layup lines, you know, to begin warm-ups. Like the Globetrotters. They thought it was a joke. Man, these guys are wearing bell-bottoms. So they lasted one night. <laughs> we tried it one time. <clears throat> I sent you a verifiable evidence of how short the, the shorts were when I played. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. An M on the short. That's you. The picture's black and white, y'all. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> M on the side for Manhattan. Yep. And we're playing against Woodland Hills, and they had uniforms that were UCLA copies. Uh-huh. Look at that. Classic 80s. Hour three coming up. Y'all stick around. <laughs> 